You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome back to a special year-end episode of The Buzz brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and we are buzzing into episode 87. And Fran, I want to start this one out with a fun fact. Oh, I'm ready. So I, ju- I was just uh, listening to uh, a couple things, and I found a really interesting fact how um, flowers or plants, I guess I should say, and the uh, letters like the alphabet – Okay. Have a lot in common. All right. Uh, and we'll start off with the letter A. Okay. And uh, so the letter A and flowers in particular are very, uh, they're, they're, <laughs> they share a lot in common because uh, a B comes after both of them. Is, is there more? No, oh, no, no that, there's that, was, not. that okay. was all I had. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you made it that far. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for more. I was like, oh, is, is, is this going to be a running theme through the... <laughs> yeah, I hadn't started off with a bad pun in a while, so I wanted to <laughs> bring it back to old times. All right. I, you know what? That was, that was wonderful. I actually appreciated that. <laughs> You know, we're getting close to, um, you know, I know we've mentioned it in the last couple episodes, but we're actually getting pretty close to episode 100. We are, yeah. And our two-year anniversary, which is coming the end of February. So mm-hmm. we're we're pretty close to both. I think we're going to hit episode 100 in like April. Yep. So hopefully we can come up with something fun. Yeah. Uh, there, and I, I meant to tell you this before we recorded, but there may be a snag in our uh, our auction idea. Okay. Because technically it's gambling. And you need oh. like a, all this certain licensing. You, I know even for like um, nonprofit organizations, yeah. you have to get like a, a raffle license to do all this stuff. Really? And those can be hard to come by. All right. So, well, we, that may be a little bit too much <laughs> work for us. <laughs> that's true. All right. Well, it was a nice thought. Yeah. We can come up with something else that's fun. Oh, yeah. A, a little extravaganza mm-hmm. for it. But, but, uh, that's still a little bit away. We're 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 just on episode eighty seven right now, yeah. so we should probably kick that kick in with that. All right. Um. So where do you want to start? You want to start with? Yeah. That's well, hot? we always start with uh, with the plants we're vibing with this week. So let's roll into that's hot. That's hot. All right. You want to go first or second? I can go first. All and, right. Cool. Uh, my plant this week is is uh, eastern white pine. Oh, very Which nice is pinus strobus, and um. I got some info on that plant from Jersey Friendly Yards because it is native to this area and, and a lot of the, the East Coast. Um, really, I guess it's there's a huge presence in Maine is one of the things I was reading online. But uh, So eastern white pine is a large, long-needled evergreen conifer, taller than it is wide. Um, bundles of five needles are soft to the touch and appear bluish-green. Eastern white pine will start producing cones in five to ten years. The cones are long and covered with dry white sap resembling snow. Uh, so there's some, if you want to, Put it in a wreath. It kind of you don't need to put the the what's that stuff called that white powder uh, flocking oh, on yeah. it. Oh yeah, it has its own flocking. It in, does in a way. Um, 
So yeah, it's good for for holiday decorations. Good for wreaths. So keep that in mind for next year. Uh, it's a long lived and fast growing tree. Yeah, and uh, provides a lot of shelter and roosting space for birds. And and it's just a good looking evergreen. Um, I remember back during Hurricane Sandy, one of the issues that a lot of people started to discover with white pine is it can break and uh, yeah, definitely. and cause a lot of damage in high winds. It'll actually, like, the whole trunk will just break in half in spots. And that's pretty indicative of of most fast-growing trees. Most fast-growing trees are are weak-wooded. Yeah. But... You know, a lot of people will might complain that it's it's messy. It drops a lot of needles, but those pine needles actually make a pretty good mulch yes, uh, in your garden yep. bed, so you can repurpose them uh, very uh, ecologically. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's and it, I I always love that tree because uh, another interesting part of it is it puts out rings of branches with each growing year. Yeah. And um, so it makes it really good for climbing because you can almost have like a ring of steps around for each. Yep. And you can kind of just pull yourself up to the top. And we had three. Actually, I think we had more than that. At least three that I remember planted that my dad planted in our backyard that were getting pretty big by the time I was of climbing age. And uh, my brother and I would climb to the top and then kind of throw ourselves out of the top <laughs> of the tree and let the branches kind of slow you down on, on the way down and I yeah, that was when our in our younger dumber days for and, and sure. It, you know, and it's funny because it's one of the few native evergreens that are really adaptable to our climate. Because most mm-hmm. of the time, yeah. like you see some of the spruce and firs, and they really like those cooler temps. Like they they get stressed in the summer heat, and that's when a lot of the disease issues come. Um, and you'll even find you know here's the funny thing. Here's part of the problem with with nursery grown white pine so a lot of the time they're grown in cooler climates and then they're brought here and that first hot summer they'll get a lot of disease issues so they'll, they'll get boar insect issues but if you're if you're in the market for white pine see if you can find an unsheared white pine or a very lightly sheared white pine because what happens is in an, in the nursery trade they'll shear white pine to give them that christmas tree yeah. look which is unnatural for them and then they grow out of it very awkwardly um yes, because I agree. like if you if you were to buy like an eight foot white pine that was semi-sheared or fully sheared you know the next couple of years it looks bad because it's not meant to be sheared like that but uh if you get something that's a little more natural or just lightly sheared it it doesn't have that awkward stage and grows out the way it's meant to be mm-hmm. so um a little tip for you if you're looking for that it's um you know, just a more natural. It may be open when it's younger, but it's going to fill in as it gets older. Just be a little patient. But yeah. great choice, Tom. That's I. I wouldn't even have thought of that one, but it made me think of the. <laughs> so we had a work event where we got to make uh, centerpieces to take home, like uh, mm-hmm. holiday centerpieces. And I was thinking of your centerpiece and actually with the white pine. Why I picked it is uh, is so during this centerpiece event, and we had um. An instructor who brought in some stuff, and we trimmed some some of our own branches. And I said, uh, "I want to make an all native uh, centerpiece." So it was primarily white pine. I didn't want to use the spruce. Yeah. I added some some uh, eastern red cedar. I added some winterberry holly, and um, uh, I actually t- there was some of the juniper that had the berries on oh, it yeah. too. So I had some of that in there, and uh, just a handful of twigs of red twig dogwood. Nice. And um and then yeah, I was I was <laughs> I think you walked into this conversation oh, yeah. at the end when I was telling the instructor, oh yeah, I only want to use native plants for 
For my centerpiece, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, none of that. None of that. Oh, I eucalyptus. Can't remember, but, yeah, yeah, none of the eucalyptus, <laughs> eucalyptus. And she's like, oh, no, eucalyptus is native. I'm like, oh, I don't know. And what? I'm like, I could use this as a teaching moment, but I also want to get home for the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I you know, when that, when that statement was said, I very promptly and quickly walked out. <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah. see you later. Oh, great yeah. choice. But it's And to, to highlight that conversation, it kind of shows the – the the misconception that people see stuff that's growing in the wild or is thriving and they just assume that's a native plant and that's not the case that's why uh, like in this person had a giant eucalyptus that was growing in a wild area that someone had planted there at some point in time and because it was thriving because it was huge they just assumed it was a native plant because they they didn't plant it there they found it so and i think a lot of people who aren't educated about native plants that's what they think? Oh, we talked about it with Duke Farms way, way back in the beginning. Is when you're, I guess it was episode two, and when you're walking around Duke, Duke Farms, one of the issues they would run into is people would see Japanese barberry growing in the yeah. understory and say, "Oh, everything you hear is native. It's cultivated. Or they they make sure everything's native." Well, there's just some things that they couldn't pull out in time, and that was one of the reasons they tried to make sure they pulled a lot of that stuff out because people would see it and say, "Oh, that must be a native plant," because I know their mission is to have everything be native plants. And you know what? It's, that's that's perfectly understandable. Yeah. I was just sitting here in my head thinking of all the incorrect assumptions I make on other things mm-hmm. just because I – you know, like as I get older and I start enjoying cooking and baking more and I'm doing that, yep. all the incorrect assumptions I've made throughout the years oh, yeah. based on <laughs> – you know, because you, you just don't know. And mm-hmm. it's – you know, as people are learning, hopefully that's some of the things they learn about. Yep. Um, in in what is a native, and we've talked about that. We've dedicated whole whole buzz episodes to that. Oh yeah, so, yep. Um, so my my choice this week is something that's not native to our area. Uh, it's native to the southeast. Uh, you know, it's actually like pretty limited. It's only native in like ten states, but Bonaps actually has it, and it's it's southeast. It's like Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, but then it also lists, I think, Indiana and Connecticut, which I think was was very interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, it's hydrangea quercifolia, which is oak leaf hydrangea, and it's something we see pretty regularly. Um, it's it's pretty yeah. regular in the nursery trade, and it's something, and it caught my attention because right now it has, uh, you know, it's it's a four to six foot tall shrub, can get up to eight feet tall. Right now it has um, r- reddish purplish fall color, and and it's leaves that look like big oak leaves they can be mm-hmm. up to a foot foot long but it was still persistent it, it hadn't dropped its foliage yet and mm-hmm. it's december and it's cold um and it was still holding on to its foliage um it like i said it's native to southeast united states and it it does fine in our temperatures you just kind of have to keep it a little protected like you don't want to put it out in the middle of your yard mm-hmm. and in open winds because it, it it will kind of like some of that will dry it out hit it back it will it will survive, but it will struggle a little bit. But if you can protect it at a young age, uh, it's pretty long lived. I think it actually lives up to fifty years old. Um, panicles of white flowers, uh, hydrangea flowers. Uh, you know, they go from white to pink to brown in late spring, and they kind of persist all summer. Um, and it's when it does drop its leaves, even though it holds its leaves pretty long, it's uh, it's got a really cool brown exfoliating part uh, bark, almost like. Platinus, mm-hmm. uh, the way yeah. it exfoliates, uh, and it makes a really good cut flower for for summer arrangements. So, um, 
you know, it's funny. It's I love that plant personally, even though it's not native to here. But it's nice to see that you can extend its native range. Um, you know, I know that's something we talk about all the time. It's, that's it's a tricky one of thing. Those things yeah, like calicarpa. To me, would you rather have have a, a hydrangea that's native at least to the the United States, or have something that's foreign in that place? Yeah, it's a better choice to because it does fit a need. There it, is a need for plants like that that are hard to find sometimes in your native range. And it, it's it's like a suckering plant, so it forms like a big colony, yeah. and it, it can be a specimen or a border. It's kind of very in the same vein as bottle brush buckeye, if you're familiar with yeah. that plant. So it's um, it, 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 it gives you almost like a very formal look, mm-hmm. um, which is what I like about it. So it's – it's one of those things where I don't have any on my property, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, if I had the opportunity, I'd probably include that because it's, you know, it, it's fitting a need that maybe there's not a native here that. Yep. That, and it, it's part of that balance. Yes. It's you for, because as a homeowner, yeah, you want to do stuff that's environmentally proper, but you still, you still want to enjoy looking at it. Yeah. Um, that's and that's where the balance comes in, and this is like I said, it's a better choice than going out and getting something that's a non-native or, or even worse, something that's invasive that's still for sale and putting it in that place. So it's and uh, it it fills that need where it makes you happy. So it, there's yeah. there's tons of room to to play with like that. And, and listen, and we're going to go into some of these plants more. This is what I'm excited with the new podcast with the native plant yeah. every day. This is one we'll actually cover. There's a ton of pollinator benefits to it, uh, and mm-hmm. it is it is a uh, larval host, and I don't want to ruin everything and give everything away because we want you to hear a native plant every day and appreciate it. But there's so many other benefits to this uh, compared to something that's a non-native or an invasive that uh, it's actually contributing to the food web. So we'll go into that a little bit more. Like I said, I don't want to give it all away, but it has some great benefits, and uh, – and I'm looking forward to that. That's coming in the new year too. Yeah, that's coming definitely. soon, actually. Yep. And so, so, um, so this is typically where we do this or that, but because of the holidays and our trade show schedule, yeah. we're actually recording this one before you even hear. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before, yeah, before you before heard, you hear heard, episode heard. 85, we've already recorded this one. So, um, we're going to kind of suspend. This or that till the next buzz episode eighty nine where we'll we'll go through the vote. So you're getting an typically there's like a mad rush at the end before we we tally the votes. So you have a couple extra weeks on that yes, one yeah. to to turn it into a tie, which <laughs> which yeah. is uh, I want to see a tie forty five to forty five. <laughs> that you know that what? would be nice. That would be awesome. So I guess um, we'll go yeah. into listener shoutouts, yeah. right? Okay. You know, right as as I said that, my Word document froze, and I was trying to scroll. And it, but it finally, fortunately, oh, okay. the, yeah, the intro say, music. Do I have to give your listener shout out? No, <laughs> no. Fortunately, I it while while the theme music or the the jingle was playing, it it mm-hmm. came up. So that's good. I'll go first for that one. Yeah. Um, so Becky Donaldson, um, in our Facebook group, while out and about. Ran into she was doing some consulting at a tech school in Ohio and came across an old Pinelands nursery poster, mm-hmm. um, and shared it with the Facebook group. And it, it, that one particularly was for a pollinator garden. And I want to say 
Tom, that's probably from when we were out at the Sense Tree. That was my guess, show, yeah. Which is going back how how long? Five oh, years? Six years? Maybe more. Yeah. <laughs> it was you a know, while ago. I've been with Pylons a little over 14 years, and one of the first projects I was given when I came here was your your father, Don mm-hmm. Knezic, wanted to um, develop educational posters. So Pollinator Garden, I think, was the last one that we did. The first one that we did was Rain Gardens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then we ended up doing a series of five. We did rain gardens, woody wetlands, herbaceous wetlands, salt marsh, yep. and and pollinator gardens. So it was just nice to see that those posters have kind of over time like stood the test of time. That yeah. people, oh yeah, it's you know, a, all it's over the country. Even so, they're a lot more um, present here in New Jersey because we we get oh, a lot yeah. in New Jersey. But it's even when you see one in the wild, it was like. Oh yeah, yeah. We had a hand in that, and like yeah. I designed one, you designed yeah. multiples. Yeah. So it was like, oh, okay, yeah. That no, this makes sense. I just you see it, and it's like, oh, this is a cool poster. Oh yeah, that's our poster. Yeah. But yeah, it always takes me by surprise. And that was I. I only uh, kind of caught a glimpse of that Facebook thread. And did she know it was our poster when she? She posted? did, oh, okay. and that's why she got excited because yeah. it said Pinelands Nursery on there. So. You know, it was kind of yeah. fun. The first one we did the ring garden. I remember. The hardest part was trying to find a graphic, and that one didn't have plant photos on it mm-hmm. to start. Yeah. And um, trying to find a graphic, and I tracked down this incredible graphic that was done by someone that worked for the NRCS in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And they gave us permission to use it as long as we weren't selling it, and we gave them credit, which was wonderful. And then after that one, we decided, you know, we should probably have photos on here. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm trying to remember which one we did next. I don't know if it was Salt Marsh, but the, all the other ones have the same format. It was yep. more like an educational, like an A through Z. Here's yeah, a photo. Yeah. Here's the stats. And then Pollinator Garden, that photo I actually found, and there were some things in the garden that maybe I we didn't want seen, and I ran it through a photo app <laughs> yeah. that, that made it into a, a sketchbook yep. uh, or a sketch artist. So I thought that was kind of fun, fun little fact oh, yeah. that that was – Actually, like a real photo that we just altered, but no, it was nice to see him, and and I think Becky was excited to see that poster because she had never seen them before, and it was kind of nice to know that they were being used for the purpose that that we we made them for educational purposes. So I thought it was awesome. So that's thank you, Becky. We we appreciate that. That kind of like made my day. That post. Oh yeah, no, so, I was excited to see it too. Yeah, but um, so my my choice is uh is all of our listeners. Oh, and this oh. isn't a cop out. This is we're coming up on, like Fran said, we're coming up on two years. Uh, it's the start of a brand new year, start of twenty twenty two, and um, we didn't expect this to get to the size that it did and have the listenership that it did. And um, it's just, uh, it's almost overwhelming yeah. <laughs> that we have this many people listening, and uh, you guys let us into your lives on a, a weekly basis and actually want to hear what we have to say, and uh, and that we can learn together uh, about how great native plants are and, and how it creates a healthy planet. Now, if I had to choose just one, I would, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Bill Young, uh, my uncle, Bill Young, um, who was also a guest on this show at one point, just because every time I see him and he's a, a customer of ours too, he stops in and says like how much it, a little background on Bill Young. He's been one of the stalwarts in the, the ecological restoration industry for, I don't even know, 30 years at, at least maybe we're well, probably closer to 40 um and he's developed a lot of these techniques he's developed a lot of these practices 
Uh, he's become one of the people where when someone is getting interested in ecological restoration, they point to him and say, hey, here's who's someone you would need to talk to. He's uh, teaching at UPenn in, about ecological restoration. He's like one of the people that when I need guidance on how this stuff works, he's someone I look to as a resource. And uh, when he comes in and says, oh, yeah, I learned so much from your your living roo- or your green roofs episode. I learned so much from this topic and this topic and this topic and that he can learn something from us is uh, really, really humbling in, in that regard, too. So if I had to pick one for this week, it's him. Yeah. But really, well, as we're entering a new year, it's it's all you guys. Well, he didn't learn anything from me. He, it's from our guests. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, I, you know, and we say it all the time. It's it's really humbling. I I really never thought two years down the road that we'd be sitting here with yeah. with the listenership that we have and and having this conversation. I I didn't think I didn't think it would still be happening. A, but if it did continue to happen, I didn't think it would go in the direction that it went. Yeah, and yep. um, or that I'd have Facebook friends that are listeners that that I yeah, communicate that- outside of. Of native mm-hmm. plants, and we and get to to talk to folks not just in our normal sphere, but all over the country. That we're able to talk to the folks from from Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center in Texas, and, and, and feel from that North we're Carolina, and, and and feel that we're friends now. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. after after having that conversation, and it's amazing. Like you know, when we have conversations with people like from uh, Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center, they didn't know who we were, we didn't know who they were, but we came away from it. With such an appreciation for each other, and and feel like uh, Owen Wormser, another one Definitely, like yeah, like um, you know, you feel like you you made some some lasting connections and some friendships, and um, yeah, the whole thing's just really humbling. It's, Definitely. Now that you mention it, like now I'm like, wow, yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, this is the episode to get sappy since it's yeah. <laughs> everything happened, like around the holidays and New Year. Yeah, this is when you get sappy. But so. oh, so we, we you know just moving it along. Um, no complaints. I got nothing. You yeah. believe that? No, I, yeah. It's been a while since you had a complaint for the for the record. Yes, off the record, you have talked. Off the record, <laughs> I always have a complaint. Uh, no questions. The phone line, you know. And to be fair, we're we're recording a lot of these episodes all at once, so there hasn't been the opportunity for someone to call in. Um, yeah. Although it would be nice if someone. Could call <laughs> and then my my book that I've been talking about it yeah. just got delivered to my phone. Yesterday. Oh, awesome. Uh, which means that I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. By the time you listen to this, I will have a chance to read it. So your next buzz, I guarantee oh, that there's going to be a, a book a book report I, on there. I have to laugh because since we did the jingle, we haven't we only, used it. Yeah, we, we used, used it, it that one time, yeah. <laughs> and that was it. So, But we do have a topic. You know, We did the same thing last year for the year end, and we went through our, our top ten episodes of all time at that time. Yep. Um, and – like I thought about doing the top ten episodes of the year, and at some point we may switch to that. Mm. But what I I felt was interesting was that our top ten episodes of all time have completely changed. Yep. There's nothing from last year, yeah, on it's the all list from this year. You know, and that's partly because the listenership has increased over the last year, and I don't know that 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 many people have gone back. To, like I, I went back to look at some of our first year episodes, and there are some that are close yep. to being in the yep. top ten, but but not quite. And you know, it's I just don't know that that many people, although they listen every week, have gone back to mm-hmm. to listen to eighty episodes. Like I know podcasts I listen to, I haven't gone back to. Yeah, I'm, I'm just busy catching up on all the recent ones. So, but I thought it was interesting that we do the top ten 
of all time as of as of now and maybe next year it doesn't change and we have to even you know in the time that we've done this it's changed since we put it down oh, really? I, well, yeah it's and, <laughs> so have you edited it i didn't i'm no, keeping no, it as is like, like we're doing that okay. stamp in time yep. uh, but i know one item was knocked off look there's two items near the bottom that just or three that just keep cycling cycling through, through gotcha. every day it, it it varies a little bit because they're all so close all right. but um so we're gonna go from ten to one. And you wanna you wanna announce the first one? You want me yeah, to Yeah, so well, okay. so number ten for most listens uh ever is episode seventy four. So actually a fairly recent episode. Yeah, yeah. And that was our rooted discussion on women in ecology with uh Debbie Dicklava from Monarch Flyway, Amy Green, formerly of Amy Green Environmental, uh Carolyn Clauba from Sourlands Conservancy, and Dr. Randy Eckel from Toadshade uh I can't remember. It's Toad Nursery. Nursery. Yeah. I, this made me happy that it made the top ten because it is me a recent too. episode, and and I felt it was a very important episode. So it was nice that um, it's in the top ten and it is continuing to grow, yeah. which which is wonderful. I'm I'm hoping at this point next year it's even. That was an enlightening conversation for us too. Um, yeah. And one thing I, I still blows my mind is I when we asked the question. What were some of the biggest challenges in getting in this industry? And they, the answer was not anything that I even considered or expected, and that was finding gloves and clothes. Yeah, um, which is uh, an issue. I just listened to uh, another podcast, and it was talking about a woman who was a welder, and she was like, "Oh yeah, you can't get work clothes like in size small. It's just they don't exist. Yeah, like you can't get. It was the same issues." Just in a completely different field, a, a male-dominated field where a woman was breaking in, and she, that was like a main challenge was getting equipment, um, like day-to-day equipment. So, yeah, that was just a, a revealing conversation in my Oh, totally. I learned a lot that episode, and uh, you, you couldn't have a, a better representation uh, for guests on that yep. that episode. And, yeah, I you know, I'm looking forward to I, – I would like to talk to, to everyone from that episode more. Um, oh yeah, and that's part of our planning is trying to figure out how we can do <laughs> topics in which we can do that. But um, going on to episode nine, um, and I was really happy to see this one too. Uh, episode sixty-two, which again is is more recent, which is Meet Bowman's Hill Wallflower Preserve. So, um, and it it had Santino Loricella and and Jean uh, Burrell Barrel. I think it's Burrell. Burrell. Um, you know, and and. And it's kind of nice because they're customers of ours. So these are people that we communicate with somewhat regularly. But it was nice to learn so much more about, you know, they their educational presence is so good. And we've been attending mm-hmm. uh, conferences that they put on, and, and it their footprint is so much larger than the the preserve itself. But I was happy just to introduce more people to that. Not saying that people don't know about it. They. Uh, tons of people know about it, but on a national level, we were really happy to to bring that to a much larger stage because it mm-hmm. was so well preserved and it's such a fantastic organization. I can't say enough about it. Yeah, and it's a, a place that I want to go to more, especially ha- after having that conversation and knowing it's so close. It's it made me realize, oh man, this has been right in our backyard, and I, I haven't been going. I need to to experience this place in 
all seasons and, and multiple times a season. So I'm looking forward to do that, especially now that we have some some close friends there too. Yeah, same with so, same with me. Um, the eighth most listened listen to episode was our Rooted Discussions, uh, which was our Pollinator Week Masterclass where we had Marcus Gray from uh, Sustainable Monarch, Kelly Gill from the Xerxes Society, and Sam Drogi from uh, USGS uh, Bee Inventory Management Lab. What what a group Ooh. of, like, like energetic, knowledgeable people. Oh, yeah. Like, when any of them talk, people listen. And to have all three of them together was unreal. And it was three of our earliest guests. Yeah. We got them all back on kind of somewhat... Was it the first time it was all repeat guests? I think it was all, think the it, first time it was all repeat guests, and it was a great way for people to catch up with uh, with people that they'd heard a year previous. And um, and for me, the one thing that we took away is Sam and and Kelly and um, and Marcus were all talking about how moths were so underappreciated, and I wish we talked more into that. And we'll have to do just an episode on moths at some yeah, point because they, they um, are totally. underappreciated because. You don't see them as often because a lot of it's happening at night. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was my big takeaway from that episode. That was a fun, fun episode. Oh, uh, completely. And one thing I want to say before we announce uh, the next one uh, is that it was kind of very pleasing to notice when we tabulated the top ten that all three formats of the podcast were represented. Yeah. Um, you know, there there's buzz episodes on here. There's rooted discussion. I think rooted discussions. Tom and I realize are probably the most popular format that we do. Mm-hmm. We don't do them as often, but they're they're, they're a little all, longer. They're, they're a little more in depth, um, but they where, get a lot more listens as yeah. well. Um, but but buzz and and meet the guests. They're all represented somewhat equally. Yeah. on oh, yeah. on this list, which which makes us feel this is very telling of 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 listening patterns. So. The fact that you're listening to all the formats, and and we figured we had the formats because there were different things we wanted to do, but it was something different for everyone, mm-hmm. yeah. and and apparently you you kind of like them all, so we appreciate that. So what are we up to? Ten, nine, eight, seven, seven, seven? yes. Uh, which is episode sixty one, and it's um, our first buzz episode on the list, and it's what is invasive and. You know, I Tom, you actually brought this up. One thing I, I think we assume sometimes that our listeners know everything, and, and sometimes we have to step back and start from the beginning. Like we had all these episodes like New Jersey Invasive Strike Team and all these episodes about invasive plants without ever really having the discussion take it down a notch, what is invasive. Yeah. And that was our topic on this episode, and – and it turned out that a lot of people wanted to know a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit more specifics, just to break it down. Not that, not that we went all in depth, but we 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 gave some good educational purposes. Just like beginning, let's start from the beginning. Let's what is invasive, and I, I it was nice to see that. Yeah, that, it's that was knowing a favorite. what's invasive kind of really opens the eyes. It's like what we talked about in the beginning. How some if you. Don't realize that it's not a native. Sometimes you're driving down the highway and you say, "Oh, what are those beautiful white flowered uh, trees that are blooming on the roadsides in the the spring?" And then it's not until you find out that they're Bradford pear and it's an yeah. ecological uh, downfall, really, yeah. that they're there is um, that's when it kind of opens. Oh, this is not a good thing. I would guarantee that probably ninety nine percent of people driving down the roads think that's. Yeah. A native plant. It's supposed to be there. It's a wild area, and that it's beautiful and and it's a great thing. It's a uh, it's the one percent that 
has realized, oh, that's not something that we want there that considers it a bad thing. And oh. it's a lot of the biggest issue we have in in growing the native plant sphere is first getting rid of that perception that if it's in a wild space, it's a native plant and it's a good thing. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we did that episode. Yeah, it's you know, and it's funny. I mean, there's there's people I know, someone in the industry that that thought Japanese knotweed was native just because it's so prevalent when it blooms, it stands out everywhere. You see it everywhere, and it's you know, it's all part of the educational uh, aspect of it. And we we're happy to be able to provide some of that. Um, so, uh, what are we number five? We're on number six, number six which is uh, episode sixty four. Was a rooted discussion and conversation, and that was the business of native plants part two which is about trees and shrubs with our friends Jim from uh, Jim McKenzie from Octorero Nursery out in um, out in Pennsylvania and then our other friend Matt Gettinger from Long Island Natives and uh, what's the other name of their business? Uh, Country, Country Gardens. Country Gardens and they're out on Long Island. And um, so two, well, both in the Northeast and then including us in that, yeah. that episode as well. Uh, it was definitely about the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast but vastly different areas of the country even though they're relatively close. Yeah, you know, and, and one thing – you know, this was one of the ones where it was kind of like we pulled back the curtain. You could hear an industry conversation between three nurseries who are friends and also competitors. Um, and you kind of learn that even though we all are competitors, we all have the same customer base. We all have a little bit different niche that we're supplying and doing. And it was just how we approach it, how we deal with each other, what our what some of our issues are as an industry, a native plant industry. Um, and, and it was a good conversation, you know, and, and with good people. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we wanted to do is, is after doing the one on herbaceous plants, we kind of wanted to highlight how difficult some of this is. And, and, and yeah, and, and, and to be quite honest, that conversation we had, you know, at one of the biggest industry trade shows – uh, Matt Gettinger used to have the booth right next to us. This was a conversation that we probably had in the hallway of, mm. of a trade yep. show uh, exactly. that, that you kind of just got to eavesdrop on. So, so that was kind of cool. And now we're on number five. Which is uh, Rooted Discussion, the Business of Native Plants, episode one. And uh, that was uh, episode 36. We had Carrie and Carrie Stanker and Daryl Kabeski on from Sunset Farmstead, Steve Castrani from North Creek Nursery. And then uh, John Mark Courtney from Kind Earth Growers, yeah. and uh, that was what was our first or first ever that was our discussion. first ever, and that's probably the oldest oldest yeah, thing that, that was, was in January, in January, February, yeah, last it was January year. last year. So I, I want to say like January twelfth. It was one of the, the the first episodes of the year. It was our first mm-hmm. rooted discussion, so we weren't sure how it was going to go. And had we just transitioned? That was the first thing we did by Zoom. I think so. Yeah, that was our first episode via Zoom. Uh, which, man, what a difference it made for me not talking over someone. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get that criticism anymore. Um, but it, it was really nice. There, there are colleagues of ours and and people that we look up to. Um, that you know, the, w- there was so much industry knowledge in that episode mm-hmm. that it was a little overwhelming to me. Yeah, it was talking about how you choose what to grow. How, like, again, how we each each nursery found their niche in the space. Um, but choosing what to grow, pricing products, all the little nickels and dimes that add up to what you're going to pay in the store when you go to a garden center. Uh, kind of how we figure out what's in supply and what's in demand. Um, 
yeah, again, just peeling back that industry curtain and, and revealing some of the things that goes on to get those native plants in the hands of gardeners all over the East Coast. Yeah. So uh, next up was episode, or the fourth most listened to episode. That was episode 72, another fairly recent one. Yeah. And that was Meet Backyard Ecology with Shannon Tromboli, who many of you guys listen to on the Backyard Ecology podcast. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to say, too, coming, that was number seven, seven and nine, seven, eight, and nine. Those three are all so close. Or I, I'm sorry, four, three, and two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm doing it backwards. Those episodes are all so close in listens that. Any given week, there's a little bit of a, you know, fluctuation who they are. But uh, this was such a great, you know, it was the first time Shannon had us on a as guests for her show, and that was the first time we had spoken to her. Even though we did 90 minutes on backyard ecology, we felt that there was still so much more to talk about yeah. that she came on and we talked for another 90 minutes. And uh, you know, it's I, I feel like a like kindred spirits with Shannon mm-hmm. because we're we're trying to we have the same mission. Yes, and exciting news about Shannon is she actually uh started a job with another episode of ours and that was she's uh, the communications director with um Southeastern Grasslands initiative. Yeah. I think that's her title. But so we were really super happy that she got that position and is working with other friends of ours that were on another podcast, which yeah. I don't recall the number of that episode <laughs> I, it, now. It was pretty early on, though. But, yeah, that was an, another really fun episode, and that was one we talked about a year ago in our route roundups and one of our favorite episodes. That was one of our favorites. That was in the top ten last year. I think it's like episode 26 or 24. It was yeah, pretty early yeah. on. But, no, it's you know it was great conversation. It was great to talk shop with another podcaster because mm-hmm. uh, we hadn't really been able to do that other than with um, – Oh, why am I drawing a, a blank on Joe Cermelli from Meat Eater? We oh, did a I wasn't even him. thinking about him. I was thinking about John McGee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, gotcha. so we, you know, it's always nice when we get to talk shop with other other podcasters. But that was, we had some great conversations. We learned a lot about each other. And it's, and, uh, you know, Shannon was kind enough to share with us that we were her second uh, all time uh, podcast. Awesome. Two podcasts. So it was nice that, that we can kind of, trade that back and forth um so number three uh was meet uh episode 70 so again recent meet native habitat project with kyle leibarger 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 yeah we're we're close enough (laughs) (laughs) i'm not saying leiberger anymore no you know but you know kyle has become an uh a social media sensation Mm -hmm. uh and it's well deserved uh, on TikTok, and you know he has such. When I learned how much he was doing just on his own, out of his own personal want yeah. for protecting uh, rare plants and native habitat, it it was very, very. Um, man, I, I can't think today. It it, it was inspirational. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yep. wow, look at what he's doing just on his own time. Like he's stopping and knocking on people's doors and asking, "Hey, can I just take care of this for you?" And it was uh, it, it was such a great message, and and we learned so much. And he's down in I'm trying to remember Alabama. Alabama. So uh, just learning conservation efforts in different parts of the country for us was was big, and to get a different perspective. And obviously, everyone agreed because it, it ranks really high on our list. Oh yeah. So 
Number two on our list was episode number 69, and that was a, a buzz episode about planning for fall planting. Would you have guessed that the number two listened episode would have been a buzz episode? I wouldn't have. I no, wouldn't have guessed that just, either. That's just you and me, and <laughs> we, we're not the, the meat. We're the... We're the potatoes. Yeah. We're probably the cream spinach on the plate <laughs> when, when it really comes down to it. But, but you know, to me, what that says is that we hit a topic that people really mm-hmm. wanted to know more yep. about. And um, I, 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 I'm almost positive that was your idea to just kind of break down some fall basics of, of what you could do in fall planting. And it was perfect timing because it was in the mm-hmm. fall and, and it was applicable at the time and and people liked it. And, and Yeah, it's, it's important. Again, it's it's not that we're experts by any means, but uh, especially from a gardening standpoint, we're definitely not experts. But we know a lot of these tips and tricks if you want to garden more ecologically. Most of them coming from our, our conversations uh, with our, our guests either on the podcast or off the podcast. Um, that's how we've learned a lot of this stuff. So it's kind of just, hey, let's condense it into one episode and say if you're gardening in the or want to prepare your garden in the fall this is the stuff you need to start doing and uh, and we want to hit one of those for each season yeah and, so. and what i find interesting like this is very telling for us of who our listener who our listeners are and what they want yep um and it really helps shape who we have on as guests as we move forward and it's interesting like like when we have an author on those tend to be a higher rated episodes yeah. when we have a rooted discussion you know and i think we're finding that even though we we've talked about you know one one episode that's just off the list that keeps fluctuating on and on is growing the circle the yep. buzz uh, growing the circle which is a more recent one and it's a topic that Tom and I do talks on we we mm-hmm. we talk about just tolerance but it's it's funny I think we're learning that that our our average listener you know they even though they may be interested in learning about cultivars and varieties they want to do straight species like it's you're leaning more towards a more evolved ecological thinking process yeah. uh which we're hoping you know that journey has come along with listening to us and and we appreciate that but we still need to kind of do all aspects of that to get people that are still starting out and mm-hmm. help them along the way and and still challenge our listeners that have evolved a little bit more exactly. which is challenging oh yeah but we're we're up for that task. All right, you wanna and then you wanna drum roll for number, uh, sure. number one? Sure. Right. I didn't know we had that capability. So yeah, number one most listened to podcast we've we've recorded ever was episode number forty six, and I believe this was back in June. I think so. Uh, maybe yes. it was May. And it was a rooted discussions uh with Rick McCoy of Horticultural Design or uh Rick Richard McCoy. Richard uh, McCoy Horticultural Services. Yeah, I believe so. And then um, John McGee, which is McGee Design, Becky LeBoy from Ocean County Soil Conservation District, and Jersey Friendly Yards. And we had a rude discussion on gardening with native plants. So, which is really interesting because we talk about all this, but we never really talk about practical usage. Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't say we never talk about it, but we it's it's never been like a, a prime discussion before before this episode. Yeah. And I, I just want to say we're out throughout the list you have gaps like I said episodes four, three, and two are all relatively close and listens. This one is way out in front. Yep. Nothing's even close. And it just keeps it doesn't matter how an, one episode will get a hundred listens, this one will get hundred and fifty and just keep staying mm-hmm. at way out yep. in front. So I don't know how that is or why it is, but <laughs> but uh 
I'll take it. But it's one we want to touch on again and get yep. different experts on gardening with native plants from across the country to weigh in on this. Because, like we've mentioned before, everyone kind of has their own perspective on how to do this and what their own tolerances are on uh, native versus non-native and then straight species versus cultivars. And they have a, not just their own opinions, but their own facts to back up why they make those decisions. Yeah. So I think it's something we want to do, again, probably annually at the, the very least where we, I, we have a so. discussion and just have different personalities come on. Um, and that's one where we'll probably reach out to Owen Wormser. And, uh, yeah. and maybe I know we reached out to Margaret Roach at one point. Maybe we can get her on and, and she can kind of weigh in on this is how I like to use native plants with a, a way to garden. Those and kind of things. You want to share with the listeners what we're thinking for some upcoming rooted discussions? Oh, I, yeah. And yeah, some of these have been in talks for months because mm-hmm. we just haven't been able to get everyone together to get it done. Yes. Um, yep. But like some of the things we talked about were cooking with natives uh, mm-hmm. as a rooted discussion, um, the business of native plants but focused on seed. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the uh, – oh, social media, native yeah, plants and social native, media. Native plants and social media. Um, we talked about um, like water quality. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's one coming up that we're going to do I, – I don't even know how to phrase it. It's like an ecological ecological approach to landscaping Yeah. Uh, or lawn maintenance, even though that's, that's kind of like a – you know, there's – you know, we talk about like with own worms or less lawn – more meadows and um, but there's still, but there's still even there there's there, still some maintenance that goes into it there's always going to be athletic parks so, and athletic fields and parks and open spaces and lawns never going to go away so how do you how do you manage that ecologically mm-hmm. you know knowing that that's going to happen so some some out of the box ideas some different approaches but mm-hmm. i mean there's some great ideas we still have for rooted discussions the buzz it's going to cover everything because we're going to do 26 of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 26 of them next year and meet the guests. Um, we, you know, we still there's have some, some cool guests lined up. We really so. do. And there's some that we've been talking to for at least a year. We're just, we, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, hey, I don't have time right now. Let's circle back. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, we have the next four guests lined up. And by the time we circle back, we're, we're all still busy again. So um, we have some great guests coming up for that too. So we're really excited about the year ahead. Seeing if we could take it to a whole nother level for everyone and, and keep you interested and keep you growing and, and uh, seeing what we can what we can all learn together. Yeah. But looking back, Fran, what yeah. were some of your favorite episodes of the year? Ooh. So I jotted down some of mine. Feel free to steal them if you want. Yeah, I'm 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 looking at, at, at yours. Actually one of the ones that that I really learned a lot about was West Laurel Hill Cemetery and mm-hmm. Laurel Hill yep. Cemetery. Um, especially having been there before i just like the out of the box approach that it wasn't a place that i typically think of as far as ecological restoration yeah but yet and there's i'm not saying that's the only one like we were just talking about greenwood cemetery up in brooklyn mm-hmm. um there there are a few that that do practice ecological approach but i just felt that for an older very well-known and popular spot or cemetery, how progressive their approach was yeah. and how popular it's turned out to be. Um, man, it was just – to me, it was a very eye-opening. Like what else are we overlooking Yes, you know, yeah. besides this? Yeah. Um, and that kind of kicked us into some of the more recent episodes that were, were a lot of fun were the, the Rue discussion on green roofs, which is episode yeah. 80, and then uh, 82 on floating wetland islands. 
just different applications for green infrastructure and how you can take what used to be uh, impervious surface or, or um, damaged water and using plants through well, through these green infrastructure practices that are outside the box, you could kind of reclaim those those things in a way. Yeah. So those were really fun discussions where, uh, and then going back to Bill Young, um, he he mentioned to me, he's like, if you asked me before that episode, I thought I was an expert on green roofs. But after listening, I realized I learned so much that I didn't know about green roofs. And it's just going to make me better when it comes to those yeah. kind of applications in the future. Yeah, that actually just made me think another rooted discussion topic that we had been throwing around for a while was water quality. Um, and having yeah. maybe like a representative from U.S. Fish and Wildlife, having yep. a representative from a fishing organization, having a representative from a government organization, and mm-hmm. just trying to get all aspects about yeah. the importance of water quality. We all know how important it is, but mm-hmm. there's so much – like when I talk to these people and find out what I'm learning, we think it will be a real eye-opening experience yes. for, for yeah. everyone else. And you know, floating wetland islands really mm-hmm. kind of gave you a small glimpse into that. Yep. So um, – yeah, you know, it's and I, I'm going to steal this one from your list, but the rooted discussion on soil, which I'm really shocked that that one's not in the top ten. Me too, yeah. Um, you know, soil is one thing that, you know, the the documentary "Kiss the Ground" was a real eye opener for me um, in a lot of aspects, and mm-hmm. the fact that we were able to get Ray Archuleta on that, and uh, so many other great uh, Jennifer from uh, Great Nutri- Greens and uh, uh, Nutrition for, uh, for longevity. longevity, which is which is a service that that Agatha and I use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was just a real eye opener for me, and it's one of those things where you realize, you know, I need to make a change in my everyday. I I can't just talk about this. I have mm-hmm. to walk yep. the walk, and that was one of the changes we made. You know, and it's it, that was a real real big eye opener for me. Yeah, going back, and it's hard to even believe this was took place in twenty twenty one, but. Um, one of our early episodes from this year was episode 40, which was the Forger's Harvest episode with Samuel Thayer. I saw that and I was like, was that really this year? But yeah. I remember like, because yeah. we had to kick back and go old school, no no Zoom on yep. that. We actually yep. did it over the phone. Yeah, and that was just a super fun episode that so much of it was about foraging and, and uh, native plants you can use for food and, and permaculture. But it also got very philosophical, and that was where – I think our podcast even took a term. We're, yeah. we're not afraid to dive into that that philosophy that goes behind um, environmental ethic and, and those kind of yeah. things, and why we we believe the things we believe and do the things we do. Yeah. So that was just a fun episode. Another one that I thought was really fun, and while it wasn't as native plant focused, was episode fifty four with Joe Samelli from Mediator. Um, in part, just because I'm yeah. a fan of his. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's nice when you you get to meet someone that. You follow in a way. You, you know, and, for me, behind the scenes on that one, the fact that when we were done, he was like, I didn't know who you guys are, but you really have your stuff together. Like this was actually mm. – this was one of the first podcasts I had fun on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which which made us feel real good and we got to talk a little bit of shop with but, him. Yeah, it, for me, it really was to – we talked about – well, we talked about we want to have a water quality podcast. We want to – or episode. We want to – We've talked fishing, and and it's an adjacent. Um, it's something that's it's an activity that's reliant on nature and healthy habitats, yeah, and native plants. And the reasoning behind that episode was kind of open that door and say, well, this is a, a 
person who's a thought leader in that space, a thought leader in a space and probably doesn't know how important native plants are to his activity. Well, if we, those are the, the, when we talk about expanding the circle, those, that's the easy fruit is to get those people on board. And he brought up some valid things like, well, is it better to have an invasive plant like hydrilla taking over a pond and providing great fish habitat or just strip it all out and not replace it? And he was talking about seeing that in certain areas where they were just, oh, this is invasive, so we're just going to get rid of it. But then you didn't have that habitat anymore. And um, and I've had off air conversations with other people in our field, and they're like, "Yeah, he's kind of right. Yeah, that it's the ha- having the habitat is better than the than the the downside of the invasive, I guess. Well, but if it's the real plan is strip out the invasive plant and r- immediately go in with a native plant, and it's because if you don't do that, then you're going to yeah, have the invasive I, plant come back anyway. Yeah, I think the big the big key is is planning and and we've seen the 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 best best you know thoughts ruined by just not thinking it all the way through mm-hmm. you know and it's like hey we're going to do this oh we didn't account for invasives taking over or like like if you think of and this isn't something specific that happened but you know we talk about phragmites being invasive yeah. you know but it is you know, and we've it talked about this before. It is holding the soil is, in place. It is providing it is, erosion control, yeah. and you can't just take it out and not do anything. You have to have a plan. Like you have to create new habitat and new, uh, new something to, to to hold the soil. So yeah. you can't just do one thing in hopes that the right thing will happen because it's chaos theory. Yeah. More than likely, it's not going to happen the way you ex- expect it if you just allow it to do it on its own. Another conversation we had, and I don't want to spend too much time on this this episode, but another conversation we had during that episode that really made me think was he he made the claim that we're making nature too accessible and by there making it less nature. And, Which is – I'm like, oh, you know, you're kind of right in my mind. Um, you want – He made a really valid point. And that yeah. you know, and, and here's the thing too, and it's it might just be the time we had um, Agatha and I just recently visited Batstow Village, mm-hmm. um, and I know I've talked about this before, and it's it's down in uh, just outside of Hamilton, New Jersey, and it's an old village that yep. was owned by John Wharton of Wharton Business School, and it like he was the second owner, I think it was the Richards family, and um. It's a big thing. I mean, let's let's just say they were having a holiday event. Let's just say there were a hundred people there, mm-hmm. and one of the employees was like, "You know, if you came here during um, COVID, there were thousands of people here. You couldn't find a parking spot, and they were just playing football and frisbee and using it as an open space, which it wasn't meant to be used in the way that they mm-hmm. were using it. Yeah. And um, you know, which has an impact. It, it's it's definitely yeah." Like you want it to be seen and used and heard, but it was being overused in yes, in a weird yeah. way for – you know, it was kind of like a blessing or a curse. Like yeah. I don't know. And it's it's a I, – I love the ideas of um, – uh, uh, excuse me, environmental ethic and the, the different factors that break people up. You have like your preservationists and conservationists and, and all these different levels of uh, – of it. and I, it's just the the mental head games I can play in my own head about well why should we care about this thing when 
if we're restoring it, well, why why do we pick this date? Like, why do we pick to restore it to this habitat when you could go, well, we could restore it to something it was a million years ago. Yeah. Brandon, we don't have the plans for that. But we could. why are we picking this date in particular? Why are we picking this location? And then is it more important to preserve this space, which means don't allow human access because what it is is so precious, or conserve it in a way that, okay, we can utilize it as humans, but we want to keep it the way it is. But, you know, it's, that's a good problem to have, though, like without getting too philosophical. Like the goal is for everyone to to interact and be a part of nature. And let's just say you got rid of all – like in a perfect world, you got rid of all non That interact and interaction changes. Is, is changing nature. Changing. <laughs> changing nature. So, so it's, not, you, well, it's not wilderness anymore. And that's where I was getting it's, at. Yeah. Like, all right, you create this. Say you get rid of all invasives, all non-natives, and you create – nature well now we're interacting with nature and changing nature but you're also evolving together to something new Mm -hmm. like you can't keep it to me like that's where they keep dredging the chesapeake bay or they keep fixing the barrier islands that's not their purpose their purpose is to change yeah and like a base purpose is to fill in so Mm -hmm. but you're not allowing that you keep going back saying well we're restoring it. Well, you're just going back to a period of time, and it's meant to evolve, and you're not allowing evolution. Mm-hmm. So, sorry. It's, <laughs> it's, and not, I'm, we're getting like a little off now, yeah. but one last thing that remind, remind me of that that whole uh, dialogue I have with myself about the preservation versus conservation and restoration and all this was uh, my wife and I took a trip to Iceland before we were married, and um, that was like the last leg of our trip, and we went and just drove all over the place. And uh, and came upon this glacier, and as you're walking along the trail to this glacier, and it was probably like a mile and a half, two-mile trail, yeah. heavily trafficked. It was a road. It was a gravel road. It wasn't a trail, but heavily trafficked, people going both ways. We're like probably three-quarters away there, and you see a sign that says, no, no people beyond this point unless you're on like a guided glacier hiking tour. Okay. But you look ahead of us, and there's hundreds of people that are – further ahead up close to this glacier so we kept going like everyone else apparently did and then you get like probably 90 percent of the way there there's another sign saying no people allowed past it but you still had all these people ahead of us and you get to the actual glacier and it says you're not allowed on the glacier unless you have all the necessary equipment and you're with a guided tour and there's still people climbing up the glacier and it's like you know what i bet you every one of those signs turns some people around but even that last sign didn't turn everyone around, and that's kind of the same thing with that preservation mindset is you got to draw the line somewhere and not let people pass it so that we can have that wilderness space. Well, listen, I'm guilty, and, and I'm oh, going to yeah, give you an example, um, and and you kind of know about this. So one of the things I love about visiting the, the nursery house up in Bleecker, New mm-hmm. York is going to Saratoga Spa State yeah. Park. Yep. So they have an active geyser. Mm-hmm. At that park. So the first year we were there, people were kind of watching it from a distance, from a path. Mm-hmm. But Agatha and I realized, well, there's a path on the other side. We can get right up to the oh, geyser. Yeah. So we were right up at the geyser. We were in the water and yep. taking photos and and things like that. Well, this year when we went, we kept telling our kids that we were going to be able to do that. And then there were signs yeah. this year like yeah. – you're not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like where the other path we went, there was a sign there. 
and there was mm-hmm. a sign on this side, and it was like this is as close as you're allowed for – in the sake of preserving this geyser for yeah. future generations, we have to ask that these steps happen. And we're like, wow, were we part of the cause of that? Like were mm-hmm. we – you know, because we were the only ones that did that that day, even though nothing there said you couldn't do it. Yeah. Yep. We still did it, and I'm wondering – Plus, someone could have gotten hurt. Uh-huh. You know, yep. I, I'm sure there's other reasons as well. But you know, I, I looked at that going, well, maybe we were. You know, like every every time there's like a rule or a sign, there's someone that there's a reason why it was created. I'm like, yeah. were we the reason that that or part of the reason that this yeah. happened? We should probably have an episode about this. <laughs> uh, you know, it's that's a great like idea. I, said, I I have this inner dialogue with it all the time, but I love talking about it too. Because um, there was, and the last point I'll have on it is there's this whole mindset where uh, basically, like, once you get seven generations removed from from yourself, they the what they care about almost completely flip flops. Yeah. So you think about the industrial revolution and when that started, um, and not like now we're in history, we're in a place yeah. where we really care about the environment and we want to save the world and say, look back at the industrial revolution. Oh man, they were doing some terrible things. But they probably didn't know. Yeah. Well, back then they were looking and saying, "We have all these resources on the earth. <laughs> like, we need to utilize this. There's yeah. coal. There's oil. There's all this stuff. We need to utilize these these fruits that that Mother Nature's given us." Um, and it's been seven generations, roughly, that we've completely flipped our mindset. Yeah. And you go back seven generations before that, and it was kind of flipped the other way. And they yeah. cared about the environment a little yeah. bit more. And you go seven generations before that, and it's just been a complete like it's been that seven generations where and now take that part think about it this way and say okay well my great 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 grandchildren i think that would be seven maybe that's not whatever it is they're not going to care like that i'm saving uh this local park or i i'm making sure there's no invasive they're not going to care about that so is it really worth me doing i'm because i'm doing it most of us who are doing this are saying we're doing it for our grandchildren and their children and their grandchildren and on and on and on. But if you actually really look at it, they don't care. they're not going to care. They're going to think we were idiots for not utilizing these things. No, you, you um, know, but from doing this podcast, my view is different. Instead of I'm doing this for my children's children, it's mm-hmm. I'm doing this for for the human race because yeah. if we deplete all these natural resources, it's not sustainable to and to keep where the, all these to all these people alive, and then where the philosopher would say to you is, "Well, why do you care about all those people? You're going to be dead." And it's it's yeah. it's really it really makes you so think use about use it till it's gone, yeah. and then yeah, to it's, say, "Yeah, it's gone." Like well, you're, it was you're there for gonna, me. You're, it was there for you. You're not going to be one who's going to be dealing with it. So why does it matter? It's um, no, it's just it's really really thought provoking. That's what we should have our own a whole episode. Not that we we kind of make this sort of the, episode about the it. philosophy of native plants. Oh yeah, that would be a great yeah. episode, or mm-hmm. even a buzz. I don't know. We just well, got we, we kind of just the did. Person. But Is no, but that native? that meat eater episode was a lot of fun because it made me have a lot of those thoughts. And it's like in my mind, as we're having those conversations, it was how do we get Joe Cermelli and those kind of people who enjoy the outdoors but don't think about native plants when they're enjoying them. Yeah. How do we get them to think about native plants and start gardening at home with native plants? Because that's the next step. If we're going to expand the circle, that's a group that's going to do it. The yeah. hunters, the the birders, the the people who are enjoying nature, 
but don't care about native plants. That's who we need to get on next, and then we can work a circle out. We're not going to get the oil tycoon on board first. No, <laughs> no we're not. So, Even though a lot of these places need to be ecologically friendly yeah. as a face for what they do. Yep. Like if you're going to destroy resources, like let's just say you're creating a pipeline, yep. and I'm not – I'm not pointing anyone out or, or using a specific example, but you're creating a pipeline and you're going to destroy some natural resources. You better be in the business of creating natural resources yeah. so that, you know. So I understand, like, from a, a business standpoint, even though you may not, that may not be your mindset, it's a necessary evil for you to do it, which works mm-hmm. in everyone else's yeah. favor. Two last ones that I thought were really interesting, and I, I hope you guys do too. If you if you're listening now and you haven't listened to these, these are why we included these is maybe these are ones you should go back and listen to. It was episode 48 with Dr. Dan Duran on changing our view on forests, um, and his whole point is we have a, a view that old growth forests is the pinnacle. That's what we really want to achieve. And he's like, well, grasslands, those the transition forests, those early growth forests. Those are super important too, yeah. and we kind of need the whole spectrum. We can't just have we can't just be shooting for old growth, and even sometimes when you have that middle growth forest, it's better to trim it back a little bit because we have a lot of that, yeah. and we need those. Uh, what's the the word he used? I, I'm blanking on it. We need those transition areas yeah. where it's going from ecotones. Yes. We need those where it's going from grassland or meadow to forest. That edge habitat where you have that transition where it has some early successional forest and some grassland and so yeah. there's some things that only grow in those yeah. if, those are the most diverse areas yeah i was going to say if you if you only had old growth forest it's definitely not as diverse as an early successional forest yeah you know you kind of have to have that that whole spectrum which mm-hmm. is you know and and to a lot of people that whole take is controversial oh yeah you know but i appreciate Thinking outside of the yeah. box and understanding, there, and there's yeah, got to be there's some folks, and I see it ground. in that that native habitat managers uh, Facebook group that I'm a member of, where um, sweet gums are a great example. Where in wetlands they can be, I don't want to say they're aggressive. invasive, they can be very aggressive, and they're all over the place. Yeah. And while they are beneficial wildlife, there's things that are more beneficial. And when you have an overabundance of sweet gums. It makes a lot of sense. We'll cut down some sweet guns, let some light through, get that shrub layer, get that forb layer, where now you have a diverse, a much greater diversity of plant life. Um, but you see in that native habitat or managers group where people will suggest those kind of things and they're like, no, you can't, that's a native plant, you can't cut it down. Well, you're cutting it down to improve diversity and then improve the overall habitat and, and increase diversity for butterflies and and it's, so it's a controversial viewpoint. It's yeah. I probably side with the you should cut the tree down, but there's plenty of people who say no, you shouldn't no. because we don't have enough of them across the landscape already. And and you know that's one where you have to take into account where we're saying you have to have a plan. You can't just cut a tree down yeah. if you know you have invasives nearby that can yep. take over that spot instead of performing the function you were hoping. It creates mm-hmm. a whole different issue yeah. where yep. it's oh, invasives just got a little bit of sunlight where they can really take over. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's one of those ones where it still has to be somewhat managed. And that's one thing we talk about all the time is stewardship. You can't mm-hmm. just have a natural area be natural because there's so many impending threats yep. on the outside that that threaten that, and that comes into the whole philosophy. Yeah. 
standpoint. So, and the, so. the last one that was super, well, they were all really interesting conversations, but the last one I want to include was that episode 68 with Mount Cuba Trial Gardens and, uh, and um, I'm forgetting Sam's last name, but that was a unique one because we tend to, again, we're on the side where when you can use straight species, you should use straight species, but he convinced me that there are some benefits to having these these cultivars of native plants. There is a reason why they're important. And that was outside of the box for me because in our business, cultivars aren't used. Varieties aren't used. You're doing straight species for for the genetic diversity uh, and, and its use ecologically. And it's it's being planted in places where it's, it's all natural spaces or you're creating wetlands or marshes. Um, you know, but I appreciate that someone actually doing the research about cultivars and varieties and and what their purpose is. Like, because it's easy to say, oh, they're just bad, or oh, they're not bad. But why? Why are they that way? And and here's someone or an organization dedicating all their resources to providing you with that scientific yeah. uh, information. And granted, it's it's just here in the Northeast or the Mid Atlantic, but there's places doing it throughout the country, and mm-hmm. it's. it's it's important to take that into consideration for your area, and it's and if that's the gateway drug for someone to get on board yep. with this message, man, I'll th- I'll take that. Yeah, and it was Sam Sam Hoadley. I was oh, thinking okay. Sam like Hootie. <laughs> I couldn't remember. They <laughs> blanked on it for a second, but yeah, that was just a, a another thought provoking episode that kind of dives into a controversial topic in this yeah. native plant sphere. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. That really went in a direction I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize that that we were going to talk so much about that meteor episode. But I'm glad you had the same thoughts because I was after that one. I was. I thought. I thought about that episode and how like different ways we could have gone about it for a long, long time. Um. Obviously, I'm still thinking about yeah. it. So yeah, we'll have to revisit. We'll have that to, discussion at another point. We'll have to see if there's someone in the native plant philosopher realm that yeah. we can have this yep. or ecological I have, philosophy. I have a couple of people I'm thinking of that, that we can have on for that discussion that, cause it, why I'm so interested is you're digging into Leopold. You're, you're talking yeah. with, um, uh, Thoreau. Yeah. Oh, totally. All, all these, uh, oh, man, I'm blanking on, um, Whitman. well, Roosevelt. Yeah. Whitman would be included. Um, I'm blanking on the guy who who helped create the national park system. Oh, Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, but there's the other the other guy. Oh, I know who you're talking who about. Who was in retrospect was yeah. it was did a lot of things that were wildly racist and yeah. and did some things that tried to keep um, diversity out of our national parks. Yeah. Uh, but I'm blanking on his name. But you dive into all their their thoughts and because they all they didn't all agree not and they didn't all live at the same time period too. But even then they didn't all agree on how things should be utilized and that we should have national parks and how we should do it and all this stuff. So, yeah, that would be a fun episode to have and probably one that would take like days and days and days and <laughs> a few glasses of whiskey. <laughs> that may have to be a drinking yeah. episode. <laughs> After hours. So, all right. We do have a take it or leave it. We, we do have a take it or leave it. So I was going to approach it to you. Oh, to I was going to flip it on you because I don't really have a good answer. All right. Well, I do. So, Go ahead. Throw it at me. So – well, we, we toyed it with it in the last uh, Buzz episode, and take it or leave it, bare root plants. So if I'm do- – let's say I'm doing a project at my house or or uh, a restoration and is bare root an option. And and the, it's it's a really 
it's it's not an easy answer because there's pluses and minus minuses mm-hmm. for both. So to me, <clears throat> bare root as a plus, you can get a larger plant at a more uh, at a better price point. Like you may be able to get a, a two foot plant because there's no soil, there's no container. Mm-hmm. You can package them together. It's less shipping, um, and it's it's a cheaper plant. And that's a plus. So you can use a lot more if you, if yep. you want to do. You can use a lot more plants, and and have your dollar go a much further yeah. direction. Yep. Um, the flip side of that is that bare root can really only be harvested when the um, the plant is dormant, mm. and then has to be stored in cold storage if if you're sending it in the spring because you know it's being some things can't be harvested in the fall, so you're yep. only yep. getting it in the spring. Um, and you're going to get maybe a smaller plant for more money um, if you use a tubling or a container or something like mm-hmm. that. But there's a better survivability rate with a container over bare root. Mm-hmm. And even though you're starting with a smaller plant, it's a more established root system. So the first year with bare root, say you get a two-foot tall shrub, that first year you're getting root establishment where the tubling – you're getting a much more balanced growth. You're getting root growth and you're getting top growth. So at the end of the year, you might still have the same size plant. Mm-hmm. You just spent more money for it, but you may have had better success. Yep. So I, it, it's to me, I I can't say take it or leave it because it's. I, I guess I'm saying take it because there's definitely advantages. Mm-hmm. There's definitely hey, if you're on a limited budget and you want to do as much as you can and you're okay with. Yeah. Watering a little bit more for establishment sakes mm-hmm. and, and waiting for – you know, and knowing you're going to lose some, but you're willing to take that chance because you're playing a, a, a game of percentages. Yep. I'd have to say take it. Preferably, yeah. my choice is to not use bare root. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to – I'm making the case for every – not just – personally just for everyone i i would say take it yeah and why i wanted to pitch it to you is because i just don't know enough about bear i don't have enough experience with it um but like you said there are some advantages to it it's i guess the big disadvantage is a very limited window yeah and it's it's a lot of upfront cost and and when you look at the the arguments the the bear root proponents will make um a lot of the downsides to using um, uh, a, a containerized plant is I, one of the arguments I saw is, oh, it's grown in a, a soilless media versus yeah. into the soil, which so it needs more inputs. And But I feel like a lot of the, I don't know, I feel but like they, bare root growers are putting in inputs too. But here's the thing. If you're talking with native plants, yeah, all right, it's not a, a native soil medium. Mm-hmm. But the way people are being pl- – taught to plant has changed over the yep. years. So like it used to be you only dig the hole as deep as the the root mass mm-hmm. and then twice or three times the width. Yep. And that actually it would be deep it used to be deeper than and then you fill with peat moss and soil amendments you know all the way around to help those roots grow out. And then mm-hmm. it was still just a problem later on yep. once those roots yep. hit. But I think if you're now you're being taught not to really amend the soil if you're doing native planting because mm-hmm. if you're planting the right place in the right yeah. yeah if you're the right plant in the right place it's the right soil yep. so even though it's a soilless media the roots should be 
rather accustomed to the appropriate native soil. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that should be less of an issue. That you know, there is some different things. If you're planting bare root trees, mm-hmm. you're going to have to stake. Yep. Because the plant's not there's not enough root mass there to keep it upright. Mm-hmm. Um, and with bare root, people can error and get the plant too deep. And you mm-hmm. don't want to bury that um, the crown. Yeah. Like so with bare root, it can sink over time or people can error error on the wrong side and, and plant the plant yep. too deep, yep. which you're not getting much. If you're leaving a hard pan under a container, you, you shouldn't get that settlement. Like mm-hmm. you, you can be much more accurate on the plant depth. Yep. Um, yep. And sometimes, you know, with – you know, like anything else, there's there's negatives. Containers, you can have things that are overly rooted or root bound that haven't been uh, broken up, or mm-hmm. you could have J roots or bare roots, things like that. So yeah. it's uh, then you know. the the other um, argument I saw against using container plants is, uh, and I think a lot of this is is more of a it's a bolder claim than I think is actually in the industry. Is they said that a lot of the container plants are going to be root bound and you're going to have girdled roots and it's going to eventually choke out the tree. Which I think is is definitely possible and definitely happens, but if you have a reputable grower, it's not. It's not like every single one. Listen, <laughs> like they try and make it sound. That, so over time, any plant is susceptible to being in a container too mm-hmm. long. Yeah. But to me, it's not whether or not a plant is root bound in the container. It's how you handle that plant once it's root bound in a container. Yep. And as long as you're scoring those roots, listen. If it's a tap root, that's a different story yeah you know but as long as if it's not something that's tap rooted you're scoring the roots you're breaking it up it's a lot more work but you have a more established root system to deal with mm-hmm. you're just breaking it up to make sure it doesn't continue to grow in that circular yeah yep. you're, you're making sure that the roots go outward like i've i've had customers that got plants that were overly rooted in a plug but were excited because it had a much more established root system that could take hold much faster mm-hmm. yep. even though they had to do more work to get it in the ground. Yeah. So I think the problem is a lot of the times people get root-bound container material and don't know how to properly care for it and plant mm-hmm. it that way, and then the plant chokes itself yep. and, and dies. But um, I think to, with bare root, there's less of an error for that, more of an error of planting too deep. Mm-hmm. If, if anything, it's education. They're both viable – yeah, uh, means for 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 buying plant material. Mm-hmm. It's just being educated on how to handle both and what you're more comfortable with. Personally, I would rather spend a little bit more money, have a container plant, which I feel has a much more viable. I don't want to lose plants, even though it's always a percentage game mm-hmm. based on you know in a restoration and you're planting two hundred thousand plants. It's a percentage. You're, you're not watering two hundred thousand plants. Yeah, you know it's it's somewhere off the beaten trail and and it's a numbers game and but personally in a small scale if i'm doing my property i'm not buying bare root mm-hmm. but, so i don't know what my answer is i don't know if it's take it or leave <laughs> yeah. it I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave it all right but um one last thing i added in here and we'll make this quick okay is and since it's the start of a new year we should have a, a new year new year's resolution all right and I, uh mine is just to to get outside more and in i think that's in, great yeah, we work with plants on a daily basis, but we need to enjoy nature as well. And that's that's mine. It's just get outside more and, and breathe some fresh air, see some plants, 
annoy my wife about the plants that we're seeing on our hikes and walks. <laughs> you know, I my my interaction with nature this year was less than than the COVID year. Uh, you know, hands down because yeah. life got a little bit more back to normal and and we found ourselves in other routines and we didn't do the same amount of hikes or, mm-hmm. or things like that. So. That's that's definitely a great resolution. I think I mentioned earlier, you know, part of mine is to to uh, walk the walk a little bit more. Yep. Um, you know, we we do a, a a very good job of talking the talk on a weekly basis yep. <laughs> for the podcast. And I'm not saying I don't walk the walk, but I become more conscious where, hey, if one of my listeners were to see me doing this right now, would I be embarrassed? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. You same know, thing. and it's. Um, you know, we have that discussion at home all the time with with certain things on our property, with with what the neighbors think, and I'm like, you know, but if I were to do this, I would feel like a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Yep. You know, and it's it's a hard hard position because you know what's right, but you mm-hmm. know what's accepted, and it's yeah. The it's finding that common the other ground. one I had was I and in the beginning of the episode I mentioned that conversation that I avoided about the eucalyptus and someone claiming it was native. <laughs> And it's really to to have more of those conversations yeah. and address it when it comes up. And you, I'm not, again, I don't want to be nasty about it and just say, well, here's why it's like just lay down some facts about well, here's why it's not native and and not be condescending. Yeah, but but correct their their misjudgment. Well, I know the it's, comment was thrown out as I heard as I was walking out <laughs> yeah. that it's native somewhere, which is a. You know, that's a joke that we joke around yeah. about all the time here, just, yeah. you know, jokingly. But, you know, it's – yeah, it could have been a teaching moment, but I understand. Mm-hmm. I, I walked away from it as well. Yeah. Yeah, at that time, it was like it was late in the day. Everyone's going home. I had to stay and clean up more, and I'm like, I don't need to have this right now. I got, I've got to get home at yeah. some point. But um, but it's like we, we do it all. We're It's Fran and I sitting in a room talking to each other basically and knowing someone's listening on the other end. But when you have that, that back pressure, it makes it a little bit tougher. So it's a, yeah, I want to be able to have more of those conversations and, and I, well, I guess I did, but I had a couple drinks in me and it made it a lot easier (laughs) to to, to say why, why green infrastructure and native plants were important. Now I'm thinking I did have one that that went my way, but I, I stood up to that back pressure, but it's hard to do it. It's it is. It's like it's even for us, and we're doing this on a weekly basis. And but when you have that in person altercations, it can be tough to have those conversations. You know, it's because you you had to find the right way to do it. In, yeah, in a respectful manner. Yeah. That's the hardest part. Is yeah, it's people have their their preconceived notions, and and they they have their own beliefs, and the beliefs aren't always uh, in in that case a a actual factual. Um, wrong belief. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So no, but no, that's a, two great resolutions. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure. So we'll have to make sure next year when we do this that we follow up on yeah, how we did yeah. with our <laughs> exactly <laughs> on our resolution. So, well, that is it. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to the buzz. Thank you everyone for listening. to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pinelands Nursery. As always, we're thanking R.J. Comer for. Uh, for his music contribution to our Buzz theme music. And, and Tom, you got to hear RJ's new song I today. Did. Oh, it was good. It's really good, yeah. isn't it? So I I, do, I did look to see if it was available on iTunes yet, and it is not. But as soon as it is, we'll make sure that we let everyone know so you can run over there and, and purchase it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume your music. 
Follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Uh, the question and comment line has been so, so lonely. Uh, it's it's become our uh, garden of loneliness. Even Saul hasn't checked in with us for a while or Doom. There's a, there's a lot of people that haven't checked in. Uh, so check in with us, 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215-346-6189. Ask a question or leave a comment. We're going to play it on a future episode of The Buzz. We're going to answer it to the best of our abilities. And the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group, just a lot a lot of new faces and a lot of great comments. And uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I, I like the fact that you and I have been able to step back a little bit and the community is kind of like chugging along. I get to – like mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not a part of it, but I'm observing it. And enjoying yes. yeah. the observations, uh, which I really appreciate. Yeah. So uh, you can listen to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. And um, when you listen, whether it's an Apple podcast or now Spotify, you can leave a review yeah. or a, fi- a five-star review. Uh, I don't think you can type anything on Spotify. I think you just leave stars. You can just leave stars. Yeah. But a five-star review goes a long way. But uh, really, wherever you're listening, you can, well, you can hear us wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, really wherever you consume your podcast. Um, one last plug for our T-shirts. And if you go to www.nativeplantshealthyplant.com, there's a banner at the top that says something about shop here, T-shirts here, something like that. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Teespring store. And then all the profits we're generating from those shirts we aren't go- getting them at all. They're going directly to these uh, these uh, nonprofits that we're featuring on the podcast, and we're getting to a point where we're going to be able to select another one. Now we've had a couple more sales recently. I'm so. excited about that. That's yeah. awesome. So, and uh, I guess it's it's my turn for a secret. It is, yeah. Time. So it's I, I thought I'd share, and I figured this would come up eventually. So it's it's not really much of a yeah. You're going to have to address the the change in your voice. If so, if there is one, yeah. So I'm I'm finally you know, and I know a previous secret was that I've broken my nose seven times, but uh, I'm finally going to get. I'm not getting a nose job, but I'm getting. I have a deviated septum that's that's really bad, and uh, I was having some ear issues and sinus issues, and the doctor was looking at it. He was like, "Oh yeah, yours is really bad. Like it, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't just curve in in one direction; it goes up and then curves back." So I'm gonna have that fixed in February. But I know the doctor's concern was that it was bad enough that they have a have to forge a new path. So there might be some changes to my nose, and there might be some changes to my voice. So we'll have to see how how that surgery affects how mm-hmm. I sound after the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I know people that have had it done, and it didn't change their voice. But you, we won't know until it happens. We won't know until it happens. But I'm not looking for you know. I have to appreciate our coworkers that. One had it done and one sister had it done, and they were sparing me of the recovery routine, which now that I know, I'm I'm really freaked out because <laughs> yeah. it's not as, as simple as a recovery. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a lot of blood, you know, and I've had like reconstructive knee surgery. A river was of blood. So yeah, what a I've river of blood. Told, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, my knees just got weak. Yeah. So I am – and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, like when I can't watch horror movies because I literally feel that pain. When I see someone mm-hmm. bleeding, like I physically feel it. So every time I hear about what's going to happen to me, like my knees get weak, like I feel it. So it's like 
this isn't going to – maybe I should reconsider <laughs> this, but I'm in now. So this is coming mid-February, so I'm sure we're going to pre-record at least one episode mm-hmm. through my recovery week, and then after that we'll see what happens. Yep. We'll see if it's if it's a difference in voice, but I, right. guess, I guess we'll find out. So that wraps it up. Thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone. Uh, we will see you next week for Meet the Guest uh, to be determined. I have an idea of who I think it's going to be, but – we're recording this so far in advance. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But uh, make sure you tune in, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.